the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday morning, the 11th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2019. The 18th anniversary of the worst terror attack in the history of this country, the 18th anniversary of the day the world changed. And I do not believe it has changed all for the better. When, uh, when I do 9-11 broadcasts, which I have done every year for the last 17, now this is my 18th uh, year discussing what happened that day, telling you where I was, asking you where you were, talking about the uh, horror of the time and the ramifications of that horror today, uh, I really do kind of try to personalize it. Um, tell me if you've ever done this. I I might be just a very odd, uh, I, I, I don't know, uh, maybe, maybe I've got a problem. Maybe it is only me. I'd like to think not, especially in the years right after, let alone 18 years later. I like to think I'm not the only one. But if you have flown, and if you flew shortly after 9-11, and I did, as I mentioned in the open, we were living in California. My wife and I had just gotten married, and uh, we had just uh, uh, given birth to our daughter, and she was three weeks old on the day that 9-11 happened. And um, because we were living there, we were flying back and forth a lot to home, for various reasons, you know, and um, so we flew, and I remember 
and I and I don't do this quite as much anymore, but I sometimes do. It depends on if I have a window seat or not when I fly. But I have what I did at the time, and and again, this might sound odd, and if you have never done it, it's okay. I just I, I, you're probably a little bit more balanced than I am. But if I'm in a window seat on an airplane, I have pressed my face up against the window to look forward as much as I can to see if I can see what's in front of us. Now, obviously, when you're in the clouds, there's nothing to see. But when you're taking off and when you are coming in for your approach, I have I have tried to press as close as I can to the glass to, to look forward. Why? Because it's the only way I can possibly understand what those passengers went through. I want to know, could they see what was coming? Did they know they were on their way into a building? Did they know what their fate was? They knew they had been hijacked. They knew people had been stabbed. They knew they were flying low. We know this from some of the phone calls and the recordings that have been, have been broadcast. But did they know what where they were headed? And could they see it? That moment of of sheer terror, was it was it visible to them? Tell me if you've ever done this. Have you ever since nine eleven gone up in a tall building? And I mean a really tall building, not a four story building, and looked out windows and looked down and imagined. If I had to make that choice, could I? Because I've done that too. The most extreme example of that would be a vacation we took to Niagara Falls and then Toronto about uh, eight years ago. It was around 2010-ish. And uh, we went uh, to the CN Tower. If you've been to Toronto and you know what the CN Tower is, you know how, how tall it is. And there is uh, an opportunity to go up there uh, in an elevator, essentially, and then go out onto a glass-bottomed um, viewing stand. Um, and so you can look straight down from beneath your feet. And the view is vertigo-inducing. Um, I, I get it. Today, when I think about it hard enough, I mean, I get a little queasy and a little bit nauseous and a little bit dizzy. It's staggering, and I, especially when I think about falling from that distance. And why do I try to put myself in those positions? Why do I make myself sick and, and teary-eyed again and again and again? Because it's the only way I can sympathize, that I can empathize with those victims. And I can't. But I've tried because I find it that important. If you don't identify with the suffering of those who suffered, you will not be able to keep that promise. You will forget. You will not be able to pass it on to future generations. You will not be able to comprehend. And, and so I do. I do those things. 
tell me if you've ever done this. You ever have to climb the steps in a building where the elevator's out? Maybe three, four, five flights? Maybe? Did you move your child into uh, college and they have a tall dorm? You got to take the stairs for a lot of that stuff because the elevators are jam-packed? Have you ever, when you're on your third or fourth flight, pictured yourself having to climb another 40 flights and then realize you would still only be halfway to your target of 80 flights of stairs? Because that's what our firefighters did. Why do I do those things? Why do I picture those things when I'm climbing stairs, when I'm in a tall building, when I'm in an airplane? Because I want to be able to empathize with what they went through. It's the only way that we can remember. It's the only way that we'll be able to do this justice. I'm going to play something for you now that I promised I would. It's not easy to listen to. It's even harder to view. So uh, take uh, you know, uh some solace in the fact that I only have the audio for you since we are doing radio right now, but this is a three-minute excerpt from uh, 9-11, inside 9-11, zero hour, and it's a segment on those jumpers. Arguably, the most sympathetic victims of the entire tragedy of the day. People forced into unimaginable decisions. It has become taboo to not talk about them. It has become taboo to not view those pictures, share those pictures, or those videos. It has become something that people have said is just too personal for those people, and we should not glorify those those terrible moments by sharing them. I completely disagree because what we are doing is not glorifying. What we are doing is trying to sympathize and to empathize and to understand what they went through. It is the only way truly to understand the level of their victimization. And with that, please listen. On the 51st floor, Young meets Fire Marshal Ronald Buka and his partner. Buka knows the World Trade Center well. He kept a set of blueprints in his locker after investigating the 1993 bombing, convinced that terrorists would one day return to finish the job. His partner stays behind to assist Young as Buka continues climbing stairs two at a time toward the impact zone. Outside, news cameraman Jack Teliercho has gained access to the plaza between the two towers. The plaza was completely empty. There was debris everywhere. The strangest thing about being out there uh, was that the music that normally would play out in the plaza, so this outdoor music, was still playing on the loudspeakers. All around the towers, people can hear another sound, one they will never forget. Every couple of seconds you would hear a bang. And what that bang was was a body hitting the ground. It was the most god-awful sound you can imagine. You would like, just cringe knowing that someone else just died. Someone else just died. And someone else just died. Yeah, it was, uh, it was tough to see that. Yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I witnessed at least 20 people deciding to, you know, free themselves from whatever 
hell they were in and, uh, you know, and, and jump. And there was one girl in particular that I remember. This woman came out on some kind of a jagged beam. Uh, glass blew out, flame shot out, black smoke. The fire had now reached her floor. And um, she's standing there, and I guess she gave up hope. And uh, she blessed herself. And she looked up to the sky and put her arms out, stretched her arms out, and just jumped. I looked up and I saw sort of like a, a waving way up on like the 90th floor. There was a man wearing a suit and he was hanging out of the window and waving his suit jacket frantically, like trying to call for help. He walked out onto the ledge and behind him was a raging, raging inferno. Mm -hmm. And after a, a few seconds, he started to kind of climb down the, 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 the face of the building. And as he was climbing down, it looked like he had some kind of rope or something. So he, he's kind of he's making his way down, and then he lost his grip. That image that accompanies the description you just heard um, is one that will haunt you. It will bring first tears and then rage. And it is my belief that you should embrace both. And we'll be right back. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Ten twenty-six. Now the Bob France Authority continues. It's a special nine eleven commemorative broadcast. I do this every year. Have for the last seventeen. This is now the eighteenth broadcast. Um, look, I know there's a lot of news in the day today. A lot of people want to hear about uh, President Trump and Ambassador Bolton, who's been replaced or removed actually as National Security Advisor. There's a lot of very important things going on, but this is one day a year. And again, I have done this for nearly twenty of them now. Uh, since the actual, I guess this would be this would be my 17th broadcast, right? If it today is the 18th anniversary, so I have done uh, 16 prior to this. This would be the 17th broadcast, yeah, 17th anniversary broadcast. I haven't counted them. This is just kind of off the cuff here, in which I I set aside all of the news of the day, and we simply discuss 9/11. We talk about who did it, why they did it, how they did it, and what impact it had on us then, and what impact it has on us now. I will not allow the lamestream news to sanitize this day from our history, whitewashing it, telling us that airplanes guided themselves into the buildings, that it wasn't radical Islamic terrorists. I will not allow them to, to let us forget or to force us to forget. Matthew, are you there? Yes, yes. Thank you, Bob, for taking the call. What a, what a program. Honest to God, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. But what I wanted to tell you is... Uh, 
I was on. I was in my car. I was driving over to Parma, and it's uh, it was all, a group of all veterans from World War II. These were buddies in my neighborhood. We formed a post, and every month when we were all retired, we'd always get together and have uh, uh, breakfast. And I was driving over, and I had the radio on, and it's over in Parma is where I was going. And uh, all of a sudden, there was they, the radio broke in. They said that. Uh, that the Twin Towers had been uh, attacked by uh, terrorists. At first, I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. When I got to the restaurant, I don't think the people knew about it in the restaurant. I told everybody that we had been attacked by these terrorists. And you know what first thing came into my mind was those people trying to get out of there and the people trying to get up to to get them out of that place. What a horrible death to die. It was just, it made me sick to my stomach to think that somebody would do that to another person. And another thing that it reminded me of, too, Pearl Harbor, 1941, when the Arizona rolled over on her side after the Japs torpedoed her, all the fuel ran out and caught on fire. And many of the many of our boys uh, died from being burned to death. And this is just. And as far as these leftists go, let me tell you this: if they don't like this country, they can pack up and get the hell out of it. And if they need some help, I'll help move them out of here. But I'm sick and tired, Bob, day in and day out, of the same old crap. They're all a bunch of nothing but traitors. And the biggest one of all is Barack Obama. He should be eliminated with a firing squad. And that's about all that I got to say on this. And I, I will, if I need some help, I'll ask for it. And I'll help you, Bob, all the way to my death to keep these people out. They're not people. They're not. Uh, they're not Americans. They're maggots. And the sooner the American people wake up to this fact, the better off we're all going to be. And God bless you. God bless America. And I'll never quit fighting for America. And I know you won't either. And uh, keep up the good work. I can't say enough. I listen to you every day. I'm 92 years old now, and uh, uh, I just uh, am overwhelmed with your program. And keep it up, Bob. God bless. Matthew, God bless you. Thank you, sir. And thank you for your phone call. Um, I told you that this commemoration would bring tears and would bring rage. And uh, Matthew still has both. Uh, and he should be outraged. And I agree with almost every word he said, with the exception of firing squad for President Obama. I won't go that far. But everything else he said is spot on, uh, and this is exactly what we need to do. We need to make sure when we say we never forget, it doesn't just mean once a year we think, oh, yeah, that was terrible, and moving on with our day. We have to think about this on a regular basis and what that threat really means going forward. Thank you, Matthew, for that call. We'll be right back after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. a um, a full hour long documentary <clears throat> that I have watched over the course of the last few years 
And again, I try to rewatch these every year to familiarize myself. I've read books. I uh, do as much homework as I can on it. But there's one particular hour-long documentary that I've seen that I uh, cannot recommend enthusiastically enough. And thank you, by the way, if you've been with us since the beginning of the program at 9 o'clock for my annual 9-11 commemorative broadcast. I, uh, I, I set everything aside once a year and focus only on 9-11. And today and this year, I am focusing a lot more on the, um, <clears throat> on the jumpers. Um, those who were forced into uh, the most impossible of decisions. Uh, you're standing at the edge of a, a building, 80, 90 stories into the air. Uh, that's roughly a 1,000 feet. Um, and there is a raging fire behind you that is getting closer and closer. And the choices that need to be made, well, it, it, there's, 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 there's only two choices. Uh, when death is imminent, and one of them involves burning, and the other involves falling, it's why we have what we have and what we had. And it's why when we want to truly empathize with victims, and again, I've covered <clears throat> the heroes who climbed those stairs and rushed into the buildings. I have covered the heroes who were already in the buildings who, rather than fleeing for their own lives down the stairs as fast as they can, stopped to help those who were immobile, either because of their own existing conditions or the injuries that they suffered when the planes hit and rocked the buildings. They helped people down. Um, but I'm focusing right now on those who were in, again, that most precarious of positions. And the uh, the hour-long special is called The Falling Man. And if you've already seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, they cover in The Falling Man documentary, it's about one particular photograph of the many photographs of jumpers who who lost their lives on that day in that way, there's one particular falling man whose body position at the time the photograph was snapped was just so um, unique, amazing. He's, he's, he's upside down. He almost looks like he is a, a, a swimmer doing a dive or a diver off of a high board. He's got a knee bent, uh, almost like a jackknife type position. And, um, some have described him as looking as if he is at peace as he falls because he's just so it, it's really impossible unless you've seen the photo and I'm sure after 18 years we have all seen the photo so I want to share with you this short clip from the falling man uh, documentary um, about the ph photographer who took that photo and about how it was used immediately after 9-11 and the outrage and the pushback that he got and that the newspapers got for running this photograph because of the taboo that the jumpers have become in American culture. I took an express subway train from Times Square to Chamber Street, which is the stop just before the World Trade Center. The first thing I saw was the two World Trade Centers, both of them, 
had smoke and fire coming from this photographer by the way i should probably identify him his name is richard drew he's the one who took the photograph that is being discussed here i just started making my pictures was photographing the burning building when EMT says, oh my gosh, look at that. And we started seeing people coming down out of the building. I instinctively picked up my camera and started photographing them, following them as they came down. Until I photographed what must become known as the falling man. It's a very quiet photograph. It's not like a lot of other violent photographs from other disasters. There's no blood, there's no guts, there's nobody getting shot. But people react to it in a way that they feel that they can relate to this photograph. That they might have been in the same situation and they might have had to make whatever choice the man in the photograph made. You have to be very aware of your surroundings when you're in a situation like this. You have to be careful that you don't become a victim. Journalists don't run away from a falling building. We don't run away from the fire. We run to it because it's our job to record history. I didn't know I had that photograph of that man in that position until I actually saw it on my computer when I got back to the office. I called one of our photo editors and I showed him the picture and I said, this is it. This has got to be the picture. This man was like an arrow bisecting the two World Trade Centers. I woke up the next morning and I opened up the paper and there was my photograph of Falling Man. It was a very brave thing for them to use that picture. It was the only picture that was like that of anybody falling from the building. The only picture that showed any kind of human interaction like that. A paper in Allentown, Pennsylvania used a picture and they put it on their whole back page in the newspaper and the editor said that it was that important to photograph and he got a lot of mail, letters to the editor saying, you shouldn't have run this, this is not something I want my children to see. Tom Janot, the author of the Esquire article, he's the one who came up with the name The Falling Man. That was the name of the article and it sort of stuck. I've never regretted taking that photograph at all. It's probably one of the only photographs that actually shows someone dying that day. We have a terrorist attack on our own soil and we still don't see pictures of our people dying and this is a photograph of someone dying. That's why that documentary uh, means so much to me, and it's why that photograph is so important, and why the taboo that the jumpers have become uh, needs to be lifted. Uh, it, it, It cannot be this way. People died in very personal 
in very horrible ways. And to just say that airplanes took aim at buildings and 3,000 people died without getting personal and close as you can and showing what this looked like, then it does become whitewashed. It does become sanitized. And that cannot be allowed to happen. That special is one that I urge you to look up, find, watch if you can. And by the way, the identity of the, the falling man is still unknown. They, they, the, the episode, or the documentary, rather, that I was talking about called The Falling Man was featured a, a huge segment. I mean, the entire premise of it wasn't just, hey, well, this is a picture that you should see. It was, who is he? And they went to investigators and, and virtually everybody they could find. They tried to figure out and identify who he was and what his name. And to this day, they can't be certain. They think it was a restaurant worker who was working at the uh, a very top of the um, top of the tower. I can't remember what the name of the restaurant is called. But uh, the thinking is that he was a restaurant worker. But it has not been confirmed. Various families have tried to decide if it was one of their loved ones or not. And... Um, Nobody knows, but it's important to, I think, identify uh, these photographs, to watch them, to share them, to read them, to um, whatever you can do um, to make sure that these people's stories are told. Uh, it, it it cannot just be allowed to be sanitized, and I and I know I'm repeating that word a lot, but it really, really is. If you don't, it, there's an article. That came out uh, about eight years ago. This was September 11th of 2011. So this is on the 10-year anniversary. And it was in four newspapers in the Daily Mail in the UK. And it was headlined, The 9-11 Victims America Wants to Forget. The 200 jumpers who flung themselves from the Twin Towers who have been airbrushed from history. And that's not far off. And that can't be allowed. It simply cannot be allowed. Almost all of them jumped alone, although eyewitnesses talked of a couple who held their held hands as they fell. One woman, in a final act of modesty, appeared to be holding down her skirt. Others tried to make parachutes out of curtains or tablecloths, only to have them wrenched from their grip by the force of the descent. The fall was said to take about ten seconds. It would vary according to body position and how long it took to reach terminal velocity, around 125 miles per hour in most cases. But if someone fell head down with their body straight as if in a dive... It could be 200 miles per hour. When they hit the pavement, their bodies were not so much broken as obliterated. Nothing more graphically spells out the horror of 9-11 than the grainy pictures of those poor souls frozen in midair as they fell to their deaths, tumbling in all manner of positions after choosing to escape the suffocating smoke and dust and flames and the steel-bending heat in the highest floors of the World Trade Center. And yet, tragically... The, the UK uh, Daily Mail uh, writes, they are in many ways the forgotten victims of September 11th. Even now, nobody knows for certain who they were exactly and how many they numbered. Perhaps worst of all, surprisingly few even want to know. At the office of the New York chief medical examiner, a spokesperson said, this is ten year, or eight years ago on the 10-year anniversary, that they did not consider these people jumpers at all. She insisted these people fell from the 1,350-foot-tall, 110-floor skyscrapers because jumping would imply suicide. Jumping indicates a choice, and these people did not have that choice, the medical, medical examiner said. 
That's why the deaths were ruled homicide, because the actions of other people caused them to die. The force of explosion and the fire behind them forced them out the windows. This has been the official statement of the New York Medical Examiner for 18 years. There were no jumpers. Anybody wants to talk about the jumpers is quickly shut down. There were no jumpers. These people were forced out by the explosions. Now, we know the truth. I played for you earlier an eyewitness who watched one woman walk out on the jagged metal with the inferno behind her as she blessed herself, did the sign of the cross, put her arms out, and fell forward and down to her death. But those suicides are not considered suicides. Those suicides are not considered to be someone who just couldn't take it. Death was imminent. And given the choice of death by flames or death by fall, people chose their own method. And they should never, ever be thought of disrespectfully in any way. Because, God forbid, anyone ever have to make such a decision. Shalom in Cleveland Heights. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Thank you so much for uh, for the memorial today. Sorry. I just want to make a small insignificant uh, point and then an argue one. Um, my wife and I were at the 9-11 memorial in Manhattan uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, you know, I looked up at the, that new gleaming Freedom Tower, beautiful building, and I'm thinking... What if this is the moment that a terror attack would strike that new building? What, you know, it just, it passes through your mind. You know, it's inevitable. I did the same thing when I was there. I was there a few years ago. We went to the the, the museum, Memorial Museum. We did the same thing at the reflecting pools, and we looked up at the tower, and I tried to imagine what it would have been like to be on the ground below those buildings that day. Shalom, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. If you can't try to put yourself into those positions, you can't understand and empathize with these people. Sure. And just a geographic component, um, the buildings are referred to as north and south, but they're actually also east and west um, because they're staggered. They're, not, they, they're right. not parallel to each other. So the south tower is slightly east um, to the north tower, which is slightly west, just a minor thing there. Um, and just one other point I wanted to make, you know, for me, the 9-11 tragedy, I think the whole tragedy, the 9-11 the Holocaust that, that was perpetrated on America that day, um, it was always like a national event because I never really knew anybody personally um, who had perished there. But that changed a few years ago. I encountered a, a senior citizen, an older Jewish fellow who was from Louisville, Kentucky, and it was right around this time of the year, years back, and he said to me, do you know what the Hebrew date is today? And I said to him, I can look it up for you. He said, uh, because my niece was on one of the planes that struck the tower. Oh, my God. And I would like to recite the special mourner's prayer, the special Jewish prayer recited for those who have passed, and he wanted to know the exact proper day. So I helped him look that date up. For your Hebrew listeners, it has to be the 23rd day of Elul, which is the Hebrew month. Um, it doesn't always coincide with the, with the evening calendar for various seasons. Um, but for me, that, that was a moment that made 9-11 personal, because here I am standing next to a fellow, who was going to recite that, that special prayer for wow. his niece who was on that plane of fluence. So it became personal from that moment forward. 
I'm so glad you shared that. that. Shalom, I'm so glad you shared that, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, my friend. I do need to move because we are very tight on time. We only have eight minutes left on our broadcast. I do want to try to get two more phone calls in right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Let me get uh, Brian in Cleveland onto the air next. Brian, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for your patience. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob, good morning. Hey, just a little reflection. I got out of the Navy in June of 2001, and then we all know what happened in September. I was actually watching Dora the Explorer with my cousin, and uh, we received a phone call from her dad, and it wasn't saying, you know, some people did something. This was the real deal. And I just want to let you know, you know, he put on a real great show. I'm pretty thick-skinned, but, uh, you know, days like today, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And I Brian, God bless it. you. Yeah, Brian, God bless you for that. I, uh, I'm i the same way. I, I'm normally not an overly emotional person, but um, today is different, uh, and I'll leave it at that, and I thank you. Uh, Tom in North Ridgeville, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Tom, good morning. Oh, good morning, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I, it is a very tragic day for America when we think back about what happened. Uh, I did listen to the uh, photographer discussing the sanitizing uh, of the, the jumper pictures, and I would agree. Uh, I also noticed that whenever the uh, anniversary of the Kent State shootings are in the news, uh, front and center, you'll see the pictures uh, of the students that were shot. Uh, and certainly that's a terrible tragedy. I don't want to uh, minimize that death, uh, but it seems like there is um, a bias towards reporting pictures uh, of 9-11 because supposedly will harm people's psyche. Um, I don't know uh, if anyone has brought that issue up in the show yesterday. Yeah, no, no, no one really has. This is kind of a situation where... Uh, it's hard to compare. The, the 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 closest comparison that most people make, and I'm sure you've heard Tom and maybe even thought about yourself, is is to Pearl Harbor because of the shockingly surprising and the ferocity of the attack. Um, it, it was just it, it just took people by such again people people woke up for for work that morning at six thirty seven o'clock in new york city and in washington d c and uh, you know and, and the folks getting on the plane on flight ninety three. And and they just, it was a day. It was a normal day. The sh- the sudden shocking scale of it all is what makes this really hard to compare to anything else. And of course, there have been awful tragedies and terrible things that have happened as well as you pointed out with Kent State as well. But it's really hard to compare this one to anything else. And as we wrap this up, the special nine eleven memorial edition of this program. Um, I, I have focused most of my attention, if not all of it, on, of course, New York and the World Trade Center towers because they were the most, um, you know, the most shocking and where the most, the biggest loss of life occurred. Uh, but no one should ever, ever forget and 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 don't just don't just gloss over what happened at the Pentagon, and don't just gloss over what happened with the heroes on Flight 93 that made sure that plane would not get to whatever building that it was aiming for. 
And it has been determined since then, of course, it was headed for the uh, Capitol in Washington. They got the Pentagon. They were going to get the Capitol. And those heroes stopped that. So we should make sure we try to sympathize and empathize with those heroes as well. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast this morning. Please don't ever forget. We'll see you tomorrow. intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.